Welcome to the Big Fundamental Spurs podcast, a Ken's Five podcast on your San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd. I'm Cameron Songer. And Cameron, doesn't it feel good to be a Spurs fan right now? 3-0 and to start the season. Hey, you know what? Schedule-wise, this was probably what Spurs fans expected. There were a lot of potential traps, though, and at this point in the season, there are only three unbeaten teams left in the NBA, and the Spurs were one of them. So that's not too bad. I'm just going to say we called that on the podcast <laughs> last week, so pats on the back here for uh, the Big Fun Pod. Um, but, man, uh, we'll get ahead to what you know what we'll see next week, but, I mean... We'll, we'll take the 3-0 now because things get a little bumpier as we look forward here. Let's talk about how they got to this 3-0 start. I mean, they kicked the season off with a 120-111 win over the New York Knicks here in the AT&T Center. That was a hard-fought battle. That was a fun game. I think that was one that Spurs fans were looking forward to even before the whole Marcus Morris thing came out and, and happened uh, because the, this, the Knicks actually beat the Spurs once last year. So there's a little bit of revenge there. The the home opener, the season opener, always has has a buzz to it, has some juice to it. And then you, you mix in the fact that uh, there was this whole off-season controversy and whatever you want to call it with Marcus Morris. He, he made some mistakes, I think. He, I think he has some regrets probably hopefully uh and the fans the fans didn't forget about it there's also a lot of buzz around DeJounte Murray's return to the starting lineup in the regular season what that was going to look like and uh, he did not disappoint I think in that first game he's still on that minutes restriction I think that was a little bit of a surprise something the Spurs hadn't really discussed much only playing about 25 minutes a game here but he showed flashes of uh, superstardom if you will 18 points on 7, 10, 7 of 10 field goal shooting 8 rebounds 6 assists Three steals. He did have those four turnovers, but turnovers were a problem for the whole team. Here. Oh yeah, and it's I think it's something that happens a lot across the whole, the whole NBA. I haven't looked at numbers for every single team, but I would imagine every coach is looking at their team right now and saying, "Let's get the turnovers down, guys." Uh, yeah, right around this time last week, as we we're getting ready for the first game, Dejounte Murray had signed that extension, four years, sixty-four million. Pretty team friendly in terms of uh, comparing it to what some of the other guys in that draft class were getting, and. Uh, Already he's looking like he's on track to make it look worthwhile. I think so. A hidden gem from that game was Bryn Forbes, who, uh, I mean, was three for six from the three-pointer, three-point line, uh, scored 20 points that game. Uh, big night for him. And I think, I mean, that's been the, the, the story throughout all these three games. Bryn Forbes is showing up. He, he carried over a really strong preseason. He was shooting lights out in the preseason. He was comparing, at least numbers-wise, as like a lower-volume Steph Curry. And uh, if we can get something approximating that, the Spurs will be absolutely fine this year if uh, if Bryn Forbes can play it, it, it can shoot the ball at a Steph Curry-like clip. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to necessarily continue, but uh, yeah, it, it was encouraging, and th- there was a little bit of a gap between the last preseason game and the first regular season game, but it was no problem for Mr. Forbes. Yeah, uh, to make a craps reference here, you got to <laughs> let it ride when he's got oh, the hot hand right here. Oh, right so, on, right uh, on. Was there anything that surprised you in that Knicks game that stood out to, to, to you? I think for me, I mean, Trey Lyles playing the four and actually like playing well at the, the starting four there. Yeah, I was really expecting to see uh, a lot more Damari Carroll at the, at the four. We'll uh, get to that later. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't really play much in this first week, and, uh, and I think we were also talking about seeing some lineups with Jakob Hurdle and LaMarcus Aldridge on the floor at the same time, meaning some some four minutes for Aldridge. And, I mean, that could still be the case against jumbo lineups from other teams, but I think we saw in the preseason as, as Coach Pop sort of tinkered with some lines. That doesn't really work. Yeah. Uh, having those two guys on the floor together really messes with your spacing, especially if DeMar DeRozan is also out there. So having Trey Lyles out there, I think other teams respect that he can shoot the three ball. He's not hes not the greatest three-point shooter at the, at the four spot. We can talk about a great power forward who shoots threes in, in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, I, I, liked, I liked what I saw from Trey Lyles in the first couple of games, especially in that first game. Uh, Lonnie Walker, though, didn't play in that first game. I think that was the biggest surprise for me. I think 
a lot of Spurs fans were really encouraged by what they saw from him in Summer League. And then game one of the season, again, just one game, a one-game table, but he didn't even get off the bench. Yeah, I was talking to Kent's Five's Joe Ryanagle about Lonnie Walker earlier today, and he, he uh, compared Lonnie Walker to like to, like a folk hero, like someone that the, the, the fans really get behind, and they're chanting, Lonnie, Lonnie. But yeah, I mean, he's got to find his way into the rotation against guys who are proven veterans in this league. We're seeing a lot of Marco Bellinelli early on in the season, a lot of Patty Mills. Um, yeah, it's all about finding his way into that rotation, and he does that later on uh, throughout these next couple of games. Games. Um, one word to describe this game, I think, is sloppy. At one point in time, I think it was maybe at, at halftime, the Spurs had 18 turnovers. Uh, that's something I gotta clean up here. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That definitely won't uh, won't bode well if that continues to happen against against quality Western Conference teams. Uh, one of the things I liked from these first few games, I think this first game especially, Lucas Samanic, uh, not dressed uh, to play, wearing uh, you know wearing a suit, but he he had a lot of energy. He, was, he had a, the big grin on his face. He was really excited. I think it's really important for these young guys to be. Just there, you know, be be there, especially at this point in the season where the G League season hasn't started up yet. We we got word today or recently that uh, Samanich and Keldon Johnson are officially going to start the season with the Austin Spurs. Not really a surprise that they would be the what. 13th and 14th guys in the in the Spurs rotation if they were to stay up with the uh, with the big clubs so get them some minutes down in the in the G League but when there's an opportunity for them to come and observe a home game or you know whether the the scheduling aligns and they can go be with the team want that to happen as much as possible that's where Lonnie Walker was a year ago and maybe you know in just a year that much a lot doesn't really change especially in the Spurs that that kind of have have that real roster continuity so Lonnie Walker really showing that he does have to earn those minutes it doesn't yeah. just get them automatically by being a year older yeah I mean this really is a youth movement uh, we've talked about it here in the podcast uh, the broadcast emphasized that that opening night I mean this is the youngest team Popovich has ever coached but man it's so fun to watch those young guys on the side on the sidelines there celebrating being there for their teammates bringing the energy to the game like you mentioned Lonnie Walker especially if there's a clip I believe from the Wizards game when Patty Mills hits a buzzer beater three at the end of the first quarter and he's dancing on the sideline it's a great clip uh, but let's talk about that Wizards game there um, Spurs won that one as well 124 to 122 and that one came down to the wire at the buzzer there uh, LaMarcus Aldridge hit some threes and uh, showed some pretty stellar offense yeah LaMarcus Aldridge is going to have nights where he carries you offensively and we saw that in the game against the Wizards on was that Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, yeah if he can start shoot, shooting the three ball we, we've talked about it before this was the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA last year and they lost their best three-point shooter in Davis Bertans who burned them yeah he's a wizard a- now it was his only game back at the AT&T Center this season barring some other some kind of trade or something he went bananas yeah you could tell he felt comfortable on that court it was a a rim he'd shot on before and uh, yeah I mean it was a scary one there for them I mean the Wizards probably should have won yeah, uh, the way the way Bertans played, say Bradley Beal's probably the best player on the floor for most of that game, and uh, really the Wizards, I, I, they're not a good team. They're they're missing a lot of pieces. They were one piece short against the Spurs, and that's that's a little scary if you're a Spurs fan. So one thing we talked to as maybe a potential key to this game against the Wizards pre matchup was how Dejounte Murray was going to guard Bradley Beal, and honestly we didn't see a lot of that at all. Uh, you saw a lot of Bryn Forbes on Beal. You saw Derek White on Bradley Beal. And those guys couldn't really keep up. Bradley Beal was getting his shot, and overall the Spurs weren't really defending that three-point line very well. No, the Wizards were getting what they wanted from the three-point line. Actually, one of the best defenders on Bradley Beal, I think, was Lonnie Walker. Ha- had some stretches where he just, you know, he's just so long, and I feel like he was able to just deny him the ball. And against a really good guard on a team like that where it's just one guy, that's probably your best option. It's not going to work against a lot of these other teams. You know, we've talked throughout the, the preseason leading up to the season. 
about duos and how they're, you know, it's really hard to deny the ball from two guys. It's a lot easier to deny the ball from just one really good guard. Yeah, I mean, Lonnie Walker's got that length. Um, he also has a little bit of extra height there with that uh, pineapple on his head, whatever you call that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that gets in some passing lanes for sure. Yeah. Uh, in one word, this game, lucky for the Spurs, I think. Yeah, I mean, they were the better team. They didn't play like it for most of the game. I think they, they did just enough to win. Uh, this is a game, and this is kind of a theme in this first week. I think the Wizards were on the second half of a back-to-back in that game, and that's the same story for uh, Portland uh, when, the, when the Spurs beat them at home to, to wrap up the first week of the season. So, yeah, it's, it's one where the Spurs are, are 3-0 and right now because they, they beat the Wizards, they beat the Blazers, but they could very easily be, if not 0-3, uh, 1-2. and Yeah, I mean, if, if you're a Spurs fan who uh, has some heart issues, you know, this first week has really been... Uh, Pushing the blood blood pressure up there. <laughs> gray hairs, uh, gray, gray hairs, hairs all over the place. I mean that Trailblazers game. The Spurs won one thirteen to one ten, but the Blazers missed four potential game tying, game winning shots there at the end of the game. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, he put the ball in Damian Lillard's hands, and he he has ice water in his veins, but. The, the second half of that game, you could see the, the, the Blazers just didn't have much in the way of legs. They, they were coming off a game the night before uh, in Dallas, so it was, you know, traveling back-to-back. And uh, they, they came out guns blazing in the first quarter. They were way ahead. Uh, the Spurs just sort of battled back slowly but surely. Things really started to pick up for the Spurs in the third quarter. And it looked like midway through the fourth, they were going to coast to the victory. And then they really took their foot off the gas. Yeah, and there was no answer for Damian Lillard on the defensive end there. He ended up finishing the game with the Blazers' last 18 points there. Yeah, um, all and, in the fourth quarter, crazy. And he could have had 21. He had four chances there to, to, to kind of wrap it up there. But you talk about that fight the Spurs had in them to come back from what was almost a 20-point lead. Um, tenacious defense, especially on the interior. It was a block party in the inside there, especially uh, with LaMarcus Aldridge. He had five blocks that night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, you like to see that defensive effort. You know he's going to bring it on the offense. You kind of hope he brings it like this on the defense most nights. Yeah, you don't think of Lamarcus Aldridge as being like an elite rim protector. Uh, not as you know, not enormous. Doesn't have the you know ridiculous wingspan. You're talking about some of these just freakish body types from from some of these big men in the NBA. Uh, but it, it was really important for him because he didn't shoot the ball well against uh, against Portland on Monday night. Just six of seventeen. Uh, DeMar DeRozan sort of picked up the slack, team high 27 points, 10 of 16 shooting, but turned it over five times. So we're starting, you know, we're seeing some themes early in the first couple, the first three games for the Spurs. The Spurs have enough guys where if somebody's having an off night, somebody else can pick up the slack, but turnovers have been a real issue. That's a great way to kind of like summarize these games. It was, these were team wins. Um, whether it was DeJounte in game one kind of coming through. Honestly, DeJounte in all these games has been pretty stellar, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play 30 minutes a night. But Derek White had a big game three. Patty Mills has been hitting some clutch shots. Uh, when we get three-pointers, which aren't often, it's coming from Mills, it's coming from Forbes. We've seen Aldridge hit a couple. Um, but team effort all around. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's just going to be the that's just Spurs basketball. This is not the kind of team that rolls it out and gives it to one guy and says, go out and get us 40. It, if they can have that, that's great, but it's just not the, the kind of team the Spurs have. And, and, you know, on some nights, they, you know, Aldridge and DeRozan have the talent to be able to do that. Just not, they're not going to do that every night. It's not, I mean, it's not a normal thing to see. Uh, that's why when a guy like Giannis or Harden or Westbrook has done it in these past few years, it's very noteworthy because they've been doing it night in and night out, getting 30 plus uh, with varying levels of, of support. The Spurs have a, a better deep, uh, better depth top to bottom, just that that one that one top guy is is kind of the the knock on them right now for sure 
Um, but still, 3-0, that's a great start. They're finding themselves among the few remaining unbeaten teams. You've got Minnesota. Uh, Philadelphia's the other one. Philadelphia's the other one. Those are the three undefeated teams right now. And so the Spurs on top of the Western Conference. But in the, uh, the words of American poet Robert Frost or uh, Ponyboy Curtis, both of them lamented, nothing gold can stay. Things get a little dicey here for the Spurs looking forward, including a uh, particularly spooky Halloween matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers that'll be broadcast here on Ken's Five. Yeah, that's the front end of a back-to-back over on the West Coast at Clippers, at Warriors, and then they come back home to take on the Lakers on Sunday night of this upcoming week. So three very good teams from the Pacific Division, three playoff contenders, although the Warriors have sort of stumbled out of the gate. They're, you know, they've been sort of a team that's been discussed as being on the bubble, but the Lakers and Clippers will, will be the two best teams the Spurs have play, played out of their first six. And of course, the Clippers led by uh, former Spur Kawhi Leonard, uh, whom we've referred to here as uh, probably San Antonio enemy number one. Uh, would you, If you were to compare him to a Halloween villain, who is, who is Kawhi Leonard? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of references to him being the Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's a Michael Myers to me, I think, just yeah. kind of there in the background, always moving forwards. You're running away from him. He's slowly moving forwards to you and somehow ca- catching up on you and things like that. And I think he gets scarier as, as things go along. He's, he has that sort of that closer mentality, that fourth quarter, that playoff mentality. You know, maybe he sits out a few games in the regular season and he, he will sit out a game right before playing against the, uh, against the Spurs uh, when he'll sit out against the Jazz. But you know he's going to be there when it matters. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that team is scary. We'll talk about this a little later on here, but that's going to be a tough matchup for the Spurs, um, who have showed they have depth. Uh, the Clippers can match that depth uh, with their bench there. Like you mentioned, they are coming off a back-to-back. Um, they'll play Utah, and then they'll play us. Kawhi's sitting out that Utah game. He'll be suiting up for us. you got to think he probably went to Doc Rivers instead of, I'm sitting out one of the back-to-backs. I'm not missing the Spurs game. No, no. I, he, he has a, a, you know, an axe to grind to, to sort of continue the, uh, the Halloween, the, uh, the, the horror movie <laughs> metaphors. Uh, he feels like San Antonio did him wrong, and he feels like you know, San Antonio really hurt his career in a way, and I think he's always going to be fired up to play the Spurs every time the rest of his career. And I think the Spurs are always going to be fired up to play him the other side. As long as there's guys who were part of that team in, what was that, 2017-18, uh, as long as there's a, you know, a Patty Mills or Bryn Forbes or DeJounte Murray or Popovich or even some of the assistant coaches, anyone, uh, there's, there's going to be a grudge there. Yeah. Um, I think a big question for me going on this, and probably the key to this matchup is, who can guard Kawhi Leonard on this team? If we're starting the same starting five we have been these last three games, and we had a pretty consistent starting rotation, and kind of the way that the rotation went throughout the games were pretty consistent throughout these three, which were surprising to me. Our starting five was DeJounte Murray, Bryn Forbes, DeMar DeRozan, Trey Lyles, and LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't want DeRozan having to guard Kawhi. Trey Lyles, I think, might be a step too slow. Um, this might be a time where you kind of adjust the rotation, maybe look at Rudy Gay coming into the lineup. I, I, we haven't seen Damari Carroll yet. Who knows what kind of role he can play in this rotation, but he's a guy who kind of is thought of as a 3 and D. It'll be interesting to see who the Spurs match up with Kawhi. Yeah, and the Spurs do have the advantage of the fact that Paul George still isn't healthy and available for the Clippers because if you have to try to pick two guys to guard those two, because they, they play a similar position. You're, you're looking at a wing who needs to be long and athletic. Most teams don't have two, and... Really, the Clippers, that's one of the things that makes the Clippers so scary. But, I mean, we've also talked about their depth. 
I, th I think they, they have really good and energetic big men, and that could be a real problem for the Spurs. They get after the glass. That's one thing that the Spurs have done pretty well in their first couple games, is especially against uh, the Knicks. That was something I was concerned about in that first game was the, the Knicks have a lot of power forwards. It's something the Spurs don't have a lot of, and the Spurs were able to hold their own on the glass uh, rebounding against the Knicks. So I, I'm expecting the Spurs to be able to at least keep it pretty even and not allow too many uh, cheap second-chance buckets against the Clippers. But... It's it's the it's some of the guard play that I'm that I'm concerned about and on and the wing play and, and what can you do to, to contain Kawhi Leonard because you're not going to stop him you just have to try to contain him yeah and that was kind of the, the the secret to how the Spurs were able to beat LeBron James in the finals you don't stop LeBron James you, you worry about everyone else on the team let LeBron get his uh, and speaking of a guy who's going to get his the next night they're going to play Steph Curry who has been unstoppable on the offensive side that whole team is scoring points and buckets uh, uh, but they're not playing defense <laughs> they're allowing close to 140 points a night which is not going to be you're not going to win a lot of games doing that. Yeah, it's tough for them. They they opened that new arena in San Francisco, moved across the bay from Oakland to San Francisco, lost to the Clippers, lost to OKC, and then beat the Pelicans, who are uh, you know a little shorthanded right now without their best player in Zion Williamson. So I'm interested to see how the the Spurs handle it. I'm the, that's the second half of back to back. The Spurs won't have Dejounte Murray in that game, and that's the obvious answer. Who's going to guard Steph Curry? So. Then it falls on Derek White. You're going to see some Patty Mills on him at times. Probably a little bit more also of uh, Bryn Forbes at times. Maybe even some Lonnie Walker. It's, it's a team effort to try to stop a guy like Steph Curry, who has been freed in a lot of ways by not having a lot of superstar talent around him. You're expecting him to really maybe turn back the clock a couple of years, start to see that form from when he won back-to-back uh, uh, -back MVPs and, and was you know had the green light from just about anywhere inside half court. That could be the, the kind of Steph Curry the Warriors need. Whether he'll be able to do it for 82 games is another question. But on any given night, you know what he's capable of. Yeah, I, Derek White was a spur who got off to a slow start this season, uh, mainly probably because he's was he was in the starting lineup for all of last year, aside from time he missed with an injury, and came out to be a breakout player. Uh, hasn't really found that role off the bench yet. He finally kind of showed some some flashes there in uh, Game 3 against Portland when he had a 21-point effort. That was great off the bench. I imagine he's going to get the start in this Golden State game, and I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see what he does with that opportunity going up against Steph Curry because he's a guy who can play defense, um, and that's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, I think that's... A opportunity for Derek White and I think he leans on some of that experience with Team USA where he was going up against a Kemba Walker almost every day in practice uh, when Team USA did practice of course <laughs> uh, but you know when he was out there playing on an international stage there aren't there aren't a lot of other Steph Curry's but that's high caliber competition other point guards that he had to guard uh, this past summer yeah let's talk about I mean in this three-game stretch the Spurs are going to see Kawhi Leonard, they're going to see Steph Curry, and then they got to see LeBron James and Anthony Davis, just maybe four of the best eight players in the NBA in that three-game stretch. Uh, that, that, yeah, Spurs wrap up that this three-game stretch against the Lakers back in San Antonio uh, on November 3rd. The Lakers were a team that didn't look like they were gelling uh, in that first game when the Clippers uh, blew them out. Since then, they've won three straight, and they're going to play Dallas before playing us. So, I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, the the Lakers are always going to be a tough matchup for the Spurs. I think San Antonio did well enough against the Lakers last year, but they added this Anthony Davis guy, who I've heard is pretty good. When, when he's on the court, uh, he's coming off a 40-20 a game in three quarters against uh, against the Grizzlies the other night. Yeah, That is uh, one of the more impressive individual performances we've seen in the last couple of years, and it happened in the first week of the season here for Anthony Davis. And uh, that's one way to endear himself to the L.A. fans. I know he can technically become a free agent this summer, so I know uh, that 
franchise and that fan base is doing everything they can to try to uh, you know make that partnership work long term that's such a, an interesting team because realistically a LeBron AD pick and roll they could they could come down the floor and run that 50 60 times a game and can score a lot of points off of it you don't really need too much else uh, Frank Vogel's offense I know he likes to do a lot of coaching and likes to do a lot of other things and uh, doesn't necessarily have a ton of the personnel I think it's a better uh, surrounding cast around LeBron than it was last year, which was sort of the island of misfit toys. But uh, yeah, and anytime you put a Anthony Davis and LeBron on the same team and they're going to be playing a lot of minutes together, anybody's anybody could be in, in for a long night. Yeah, this Lakers unit feels more cohesive than last year. Uh, there seemed to be a team built with a purpose, uh, built with kind of a strategy in mind in terms of how you're going to play uh, LeBron James as the primary ball handler. Um, Anthony Davis has proven to be um, a lot to handle. I don't know who the Spurs can roll out to match that. Again, there aren't a lot of people in the league who can match that. Uh, throughout this three-game stretch, I imagine the Spurs are going to be able to score. They're going to be able to get their, their shots that they want. It's really going to be shoring up the issues we saw in this first three-game Games, the defense and the turnovers that are going to be keys to the game. I'm a little bit pessimistic on this three-game stretch. I could see the Spurs going 0-3, maybe 1-2, kind of squeezing out a Golden State victory there. Um, but 4-2 and two is still a good place to be at this point in time. Yeah, even 3-3 three at three at this point in the season, when you look at the, the schedule they've had, yes, they took care of business against the teams they were supposed to beat. I think on paper, the Spurs aren't supposed to win a road game against the Clippers. They're probably not supposed to win a road game against the Warriors, and a home game against the Lakers, it sort of depends. That, that Lakers team just still has so much unsettled. Uh, I am excited to see Danny Green back in San Antonio. Antonio again though another another former spur it, it seems like that's something just because of the way the Spurs have been built that they've kept their key players together for so long that you, there aren't that many games where it's like oh hey that's a former spur coming to San Antonio we've already seen a couple of them Davis Bertans uh they'll they'll hook up again with uh Kawhi even though that'll be in LA and then Danny Green coming back to San Antonio this upcoming week yeah Pau Gasol on the bench for Portland um yeah coming back they rolled out the red carpet for Davis Bertans played a tribute video for him I imagine we'll see something of the same for Danny Green here I didn't realize Davis Bertans got a tribute for you that seems like a, that seems like a bit much I mean I he was obviously a key part of, of a San Antonio team for a couple years, but he was never he was never a starter. I mean, yeah, it might have been. A, a, but, we're sorry we traded you. We never wanted it to go this that's way. We true. have regrets. That's kind of thing. true. I mean, uh, Chris Paul got a tribute video in in Houston when, uh, <laughs> and he was only there for two seasons. So that 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 could be a, a future. You just gave me an idea for something that's going to drive me batty. Next time one of those tribute videos goes viral, I'll have a rant on that. I'll be ready because they're getting out of hand. Yeah, so keep it, keep your eyes ahead for that. And, uh, <laughs> actually, we're going to take a look ahead here at the rest of the league and see what's been happening. But first, a quick break. Well, Cameron, things are getting spooky for the silver and black as the San Antonio Spurs kick off their first game of a two-game road trip against Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers. Thursday's game on Halloween night can be seen on Kins 5 with our coverage beginning at 9 p.m. Remember, that's a West Coast game, a little bit of a later start time. And new this year, you can watch the game in any of the Spurs games we air on Kins 5 on the Kins 5 app. So be sure to download that Kins 5 app. It's free and don't miss out on any of the action. Well, Cameron, as we look around the league here, is there a key performer, a, a performance that you want to highlight here uh, from that first week of action? Yeah, uh, let's go back to opening night. Kyrie Irving, I guess it was opening night for his team. It wasn't the, the first night of the season. It was that, that Wednesday to, to start the season for the Brooklyn Nets. He had a night to remember in his first real game as a Brooklyn Net. 50 points, 7 of 14 from deep, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, no turnovers. So uh, PER, player efficiency rating, 
51.9, oh which gosh. might be as high as I've ever seen uh, outside of a video game or something like that. <laughs> uh, and his team lost. They, they lost that game to, uh, to Minnesota. And uh, he had a chance in overtime to win the game. It would have been one of the great regular season shots because he stumbled as he was getting ready to take that. Either that or he was pulling out the, the slip and slide move from NBA Street. Uh, yeah, but he, had missed the game breaker full, right? <laughs> he had the game breaker full. He had the game breaker full, but the shot just missed yeah, at, at the buzzer. would have been uh, an incredible moment to, to cap off a great night. And, and he's from that area. He's from, he's from New Jersey. Uh, the Nets were sort of his hometown team, I guess, growing up, you know, near Brooklyn. Uh, it means a lot for him to be there. That, that's a team that you know he picked. You know he was drafted by Cleveland, spent the first chunk of his career there. Was uh, you know asked out, was traded to Boston, but now got to choose the Nets and ha- has an opportunity to do something really special there in this first season when it's his team. Obviously next year Kevin Durant comes back in the fold and they you know they'll they'll share the spot. That'll be the real interesting question. But right now it's his team and uh, and he really grabbed hold of it on opening night. Yeah, you could have you could see the emotion uh, what it meant for him to be back in Brooklyn uh, after they captured their first win and he took off his jersey and handed it to his dad on the sidelines there. A big embrace there. Uh, yeah, New, uh, a New Jersey kid, a, a New York kid coming back playing for his home team. That means a lot. Uh, I want to talk about Anthony Davis uh, and that performance that you mentioned earlier against the New Orleans Pelicans when he dropped 40 points, 20 rebounds, and he also set out the entire fourth quarter. Um, that's crazy. And not to mention, he was, he was playing through injury. It's a little scary that he's already playing with a shoulder injury, how long that can hold up. He's a guy who's been banged up in the past. Uh, he always seems to have some sort of nick or bruise or something like that. Um, his L.A. debut was shaky, but he became the third Laker with 100 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds in those first four games with the team. He joins Shaq and Kareem. That's pretty uh, legendary company to be a part of there. Yeah, and speaking of Shaq, Shaq was the last Laker to have a 40-20 game. I think it was back in 2003. So that that is a franchise that's obviously had some success. They've won two championships since, uh, since Shaq left, but... They've been down recently, and they are they have the potential to be back up with Anthony Davis. Yeah, so I want to pivot to the other LA team and talk about something that stood out to me from this first week. Uh, the Clippers are terrifying. Um, it's, it's they're even. I mean, they're without Paul George, so they're only going to get better. They're limiting Kawhi's playing time. He's only got 28 minutes per game so far uh, in these first. I think they've played four games now. Um, I mean, even with the limiting of Paul George and Kawhi, that's a team that could still get to 60 wins with the depth they have. Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, both over 20 points per game. That's coming off the bench. Uh, And Kawhi, in his 28 minutes, has a player efficiency rating, a PER, uh, at an all-time great level. We're talking at 38. They they define 35 as MVP, all-time great kind of performance. And he's playing out of his mind there. That whole team, uh, they have six players playing at an above-average efficiency there. That's an all-time great team, and we get to see them, and it's going to be scary. Yeah, I want to also talk about one of the other players who's leading the NBA in PER uh, in the first week of the season. Actually, the Western Conference Player of the Week. He beat out Kawhi. Carl Anthony Towns, leader of the undefeated Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, There are three unbeaten teams left. We talked about the Spurs, the Sixers, and the T-Wolves. Minnesota's wins have been, uh, you know, fairly impressive. They did beat Charlotte, who I think a lot of teams are going to beat Charlotte. They had a nice win against Miami while they're still trying to figure things out, and then that opening night win against Brooklyn when they withstood that 50-point barrage from Kyrie Irving. The numbers for Cat are eye-popping. Let's let's run through it really quick. I don't have the, the PER in front of me. 32 points per game, 13.3 rebounds per game, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 
He's shooting 53% from the field and 52% from long range. He's actually shooting something like 60-something percent from the free throw line. So he's, been, he's been awful from the free throw line by comparison. He brings that up, and uh, he's on pace for an all-time kind of season. He won't keep that up all season long. Teams will figure out how to stop that guy. This is not a team that has a lot of other weapons around him. Andrew Wiggins has had some good numbers at times, but he has a, a tendency to sort of disappear or drift during games. But Carl Anthony Towns was locked in for three games. Yeah, he was even pulling that James Harden move, the step back three there. Uh, and if he can do that he's at a his height... He's a little bigger than James Harden. <laughs> uh, showing some uh, elite passing, too. He's making some great plays. That Minnesota team is very intriguing. I'm interested to see if they can sustain it. Uh, they could be this year's Denver Nuggets, a team that's uh, you know anchored by a big man who's playing unlike a big man, you know, being that playmaker, that, that guy who's starting the offense, who's making the good passes, who's taking good shots. I, I think there may be a piece away. Uh, there are some trades that might happen in the uh, the future here. I know a lot of people have been talking maybe Chris Paul's on the trading block. Um, D'Angelo Russell and Golden State might be on the trading block. Um, they get one of those guys in. They're a, they're a scary team in the West, a, a possible contender in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I really like the Nuggets comparison for that team because th- they have a lot of their same guys back, and I think one of the things last they were sort of ruined from the beginning last year with the whole drama around Jimmy Butler another key guy who I think they should have kept what they didn't was Derrick Rose I think he brought a lot of veteran leadership but could have also brought some some distractions at times so you sort of take away some of that stuff that could have uh you know messed up some of the younger guys at times and you just left with a, a, a group of guys who've played together a few years now and are starting to figure it out and I think if Andrew Wiggins Everyone's been waiting on him to make that next step. It's, I think it's year six for him now. I don't think it's. I don't think that next step is really going to happen. He's still a solid NBA contributor. I think Carl Anthony Towns is continuing to grow, and I think it's a reminder that we sort of saw it with Anthony Davis when he had a breakout season. Everyone expected him to keep going. It's not a linear path. Guys will will have some ups and downs at times, but he's definitely trending in the right direction. The team is moving in the right direction. I, I agree, though. I think there's a trade out there for them. I think they have a little bit of room. They have some assets that uh, that are interesting to other teams, and they're not a finished product, and that's really scary. Yeah, both Towns and Wiggins are still so young. It's hard to forget. You feel like you've seen Wiggins playing for the better part of a decade, and you have, but he's 23, 24, and Towns is younger. I mean, I'll throw out another comparison to you. Um, this reminds me of the Durant and Westbrook uh, Thunder um, in those first formative years. Um, the, the Timberwolves, they could be a team like that Thunder who gets into the playoffs and ends up knocking out a contender in that first round uh, due to those young upstarts kind of rising to the challenge and playing there. Uh, the Thunder that year, I believe, knocked out the, the Lakers uh, were the contender. They knocked out the Kobe Bryant Lakers there. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see. This has been kind of a topsy-turvy Western Conference. You're seeing the Timberwolves and the Spurs. Uh, those Lakers team, uh, the, the LA teams are right below them, but um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit flipped on its head there. The Suns are doing well. Uh. <laughs> you, you knew they weren't going to be as bad as uh, as they had been in the past, but then DeAndre Ayton getting suspended 25 games, I think, really is going to set them back long ways in terms of the team's development and his development, because you never like to see a, a guy with that much talent and that much potential coming out of the draft uh, missing big chunks of time, and uh, it, it's it's a bummer for every NBA fan, I think. Yeah, um, missing big chunks of time is a great segue into what's driving this batty here. If you don't mind me starting... Go for it. Where is Damari Carroll? That's just... he's <laughs> Free Damari. Free Damari. Uh, no, he was the Spurs' biggest splash in the free agency. They paid him $13 million over two years. I guess they're paying him to sit on the bench. 
Uh, I mean, this has been a team he played in the preseason. He was playing 20 minutes a game here in the preseason, but that was while the Spurs were resting guys like DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay. Um, he just hasn't found his way into that rotation yet, and I'm intrigued, kind of antsy to see how Pop's going to figure that out. Uh, right now, the Spurs' biggest weaknesses are the 3 and the D, and this is a guy who is a career 3 and D man. Uh, let's see if he can bring some help in. Uh, maybe take some time away from Marco Bellinelli. I don't know. Yeah, that's Bellinelli on the defensive end has had some issues, and uh, I, I, I'm it's so surprising to me because he wasn't on the injury report. The Spurs had an empty injury report to start the season. So if there was something small, the Spurs are supposed to report that. And if it turns out that there was something, they could face repercussions from the league for not reporting an injury that they were aware of. And, and, and you hope it's, it's you know, there's not something going on in his personal life. It's just a coach's decision, but it's, it's a puzzling one. Yeah, and you'd think, you know, I mean... You compare it to the, the splash that Trey Lyles has made. He fit in right away, uh, coming in as a starter, adding that rebounding effort, kind of stretching the floor there. I thought that was going to be Damari Carroll. Turns out it's been Trey Lyles. Would like to see Damari Carroll kind of figure it out here. I, I think we will. I actually really do like Lyles in the starting lineup. I, I think if you're going to play Aldridge at the five to start, you, you want another, just a little bit more length at the four, just because Aldridge is, he's he's a big man, but he's not, you know, the, the most traditional big man. He has a little bit more diverse skill set. You can do some more interesting things. If you're going to play that traditional five, and I think you will with Jakob Pertl coming off the bench, you have that flexibility to whether you want to play a, a slightly smaller four and a guy who has a little bit more of a, of a wing skill set. That's something you can do with Carroll uh, in bench heavy um lineups for the Spurs. I'll talk about what's driving me batty now. Uh, the Spurs fully guaranteed LaMarcus Aldridge's contract for next year, which I think is a good thing. I think it adds a little bit of stability and, and the peace of mind for him. But already we're talking about DeMar DeRozan's contract, and, and he's been asked about it, and I'm not sure why. Uh, DeMar has a player option next summer for $27.8 million, could be a spur through June of 2021. It feels like this doesn't need to be stored, but everyone's talking about it. So I guess we have to talk about it here on the podcast. Here's the thing. He could be one of the top free agents next summer. We mentioned Anthony Davis. There's a lot of guys who have options this summer. So if they all opt back in to stay with their team, really, there's not going to be much of a, a hot stove uh, summer in the NBA. It's mostly going to be teams looking the same at the start of this next season as they are at the, the start of this current season. There aren't a lot of teams that will have cap space and DeMar DeRozan uh, if he wants to go to one of those teams they're not going to be a contender most likely so really he could maybe make a little bit more money that I don't think the Spurs really want to get in a bidding war and pay any more than what his option is already worth is it worth the extra five million a year for DeMar DeRozan uh, to play for the Cavs or the Hawks as it is to stay in San Antonio and uh, at least play one more year the last year of his contract for next year I like this Spurs team right now my answer could change in a couple weeks or a couple months, and maybe the Spurs will need to make some changes and, and possibly blow the whole thing up. I don't think that's going to be the case. But the fact that we're already sort of talking about contract stuff and it's the first week of the season is is tough, and, I, and, and it's driving me crazy. Yeah, I can understand that. You, you bring a good point. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to be spending money this coming offseason, especially when you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo being a free agent in two years. People don't want to spend money on DeMar and miss out on Giannis. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a team like Atlanta or Cleveland who has a lot of ca- cash to spend. Or in, in, in Atlanta's case, I mean, they, they may be one piece away from serious contention in the East. Um, so, they, I mean, that, that's a team that's, that a team like that is going to want to spend money. Um, but still, yeah, you, you potentially miss your chance at a, at a world-changing player there in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, Kawhi is also going to be a free agent that offseason. There's going to be some pieces in, in motion that time around, and so teams are saving that cap space for those all-world all guys. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy that we're already on countdown for the, the summer of 2021, but that's sort of how the, the league operates. It's a superstar-driven league, and then we saw it about a decade ago with LeBron's big free agency decision uh, going back to the 2019s. It was exactly 10 years ago. Uh, we were in a similar situation where teams were already starting to eye that that 2010 uh, that 2010 summer with you know, and there's there's only one guy. It's a little different this year. There's there's more than one. Uh, super duper star. You mentioned Giannis and Kawhi, a handful of other guys who can become free agents that summer. But if all 30 teams open up, try to open up cap space, there's three or four guys, and at certain points, I think a team might try to zig uh, when everyone else is zagging, and, and maybe someone will try to pay DeMar DeRozan a lot of money this this offseason. If there, there could be a value in being the guy in 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 a week summer. But uh, it's something the Spurs will have to keep an eye on and, and try to make sure that they're, that they're meeting uh, uh, DeMar's needs and making sure he's happy here in San Antonio because otherwise uh, he, he, was the, he was the centerpiece of that Kawhi Leonard trade for the Spurs. And if he's gone after two years, it means the, the Spurs only got a guy for you know one extra year compared to what the Raptors got and they got a championship out of Kawhi. Yeah, um, you, you bring up the fact that the, that the decision is a decade old and now I feel so old. <laughs> um, but yeah... <laughs> <laughs> Time flies in the NBA, man. It, Time flies. It, unless you're LeBron James, who you know could could play till he's in his mid forties. I don't think he wants to, but he's looking like he could. Yeah, Father Time remains undefeated, and uh, Father Time has once again uh, defeated the podcaster. We got to wrap it up here. That's a terrible segue. <laughs> but you're just gonna have to deal with that on the Big Fun Pod today. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, we're at Big Fun Pod. Uh, we are. We've been tweeting during the games, kind of a, a live blog, if you will, uh, live tweeting the games, um, and we'll be live tweeting Thursday night, Halloween, uh, when the, the Spurs take on the Clippers on Ken's 5. And uh, yeah, make sure you uh, like and subscribe us wherever you may be listening. If it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're out there in the podcast multiverse. Cameron, any last uh, thoughts? Any, any final thoughts here? No, I, I think we covered pretty much everything. It's, it's a fun time to be a Spurs fan. Basketball is back. There's a lot of conversation. I think it's only going to keep heating up as the season gets going. When we uh, reconvene in about a week's time, we'll see if the Spurs have added another win to their to their three to start the season because it's, it's going to be a tough week. Yeah, we, we're feeling good now. We could be feeling pretty average next week. Well, be sure to join us next week as we continue to cover the Spurs season with all the ups and downs on the Big Fundamental Podcast. We'll see you then.